Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John. He's JJ. Doing this, uh, we, we had to split this podcast up into two, JJ. It was such a big too podcast. Too for and, one podcast. And, and too long and, last week. And too many podcasts for one podcast a week this week, too. That's right. I think we are going to have uh, three we're podcasts gonna, this we're week. We're going to definitely the have another one. If, if we can get Jim Callis on it, great. And if we can't, we're still doing a podcast to talk org talent rankings. Pretty sure we're going to do that tomorrow morning. I'll forward yeah. the email to you. Apparently, I have not done that. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, organization talent rankings that go over tomorrow. Jim Callis is already booked uh, to be a podcast guest. So, good stuff. Good week of Baseball America this week. Uh, uh, we are pleased to announce that this podcast is actually not being recorded in the podcast nook. Podcast nook undergoing some minor renovations, but also including the, a new machine. And, J.J., I do want to just start this podcast with a slight ode to old podcast computer. Because there were so many great memories over the years. I remember it crashing in our (laughs) chats on a regular (laughs) basis. I remember the the five or six podcasts that just disappeared into the ether at different points. And there are some podcasts out there that is lost to history, and uh, some fine arguments, I'm sure. And that podcast, that computer was what more than a decade old, was it not? That was an old machine. The Baseball America offices, we won't go into too much detail because we know you want to hear baseball, but, we, but we're but we very happy. The Baseball America office, we just had a computer upgrade. Um, we're we're running modern technology now. New ownership. You, Source, Interlink. Source Interlink Media, new ownership, Grind Media, uh, Baseball America, part of the Grind Media group in Source Interlink. Uh, Source Interlink stepping up to the plate. Um, so very excited about that. Uh, I'll drop this in for anyone at Source who's listening. You need to, you need to add us to the Source Interlink website. You know, there's no Baseball America thing on there on, on Source Interlink website yet, so um, we look forward to that. But we're happy to be part of the Source family, and uh, so far things are so good here at Baseball America. So let's dive into the Major League preview, JJ, the American League portion. If you, if you are listening to this and you're going, wait, where's the National League? Well, just it's here. Just That's go right. back and it's the, the, the most recent previous non-college podcast, we broke down the entire NL. So now let's move to the AL. And, J.J., you know, this is the way things go when, when you do uh, any media. Some things that you write get outdated. And uh, I'm just looking through our American League preview, uh, our, na- our Major League preview issue. One of the most outdated pieces of this already is Dirk Hayhurst going to Italy. I guess Dirk's not going to Italy. That's kind of funny. Um, also, the Phillies aren't the juggernaut that they look yep, like. In the, we, we talked about even the when we talked about them last week, they're less of a juggernaut than that. I think we both were assuming not necessarily a healthy Chase Utley, but a 100-game Chase Utley, I don't think that's unreasonable. But now you've got Freddie Galvis. The, American, the National League East we talked about last week, pretty wide open. There hasn't been a game-changer in the American League yet but in spring training, but we do have the Miguel Cabrera injury. Yeah. It looks relatively serious. I mean, it is to his face. Um, you know, as Eddie Murphy it's, said it's in a, uh, Coming another, to America, yes, in the face. It is another reminder Miguel Cabrera, third base, I mean, which is something I think we've even said on the podcast. There's yeah. some healthy skepticism on our part of how well that's going to work. And I think so. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I love how the, 
the media reaction immediately afterwards was, well, that's a play that would have eaten up anybody. And it's like, his glove was over here, and his face was kind of far from his glove. I know it was a bad hop ground ball. I'm not making fun of the guy. But all those things being said, I love Jim Leland's reaction to it. Jim Leland said, is he going to be Brooks Robinson? I'm paraphrasing here. Is he going to be Brooks Robinson over there? No. Is he going to make the play on the balls he gets to because he does have one of the stronger arms in the league? I think so, yes. Is he going to hit a lot of home runs and drive in a lot of runs? Yes. And I think that's a best-case scenario for Detroit. Why don't we start with the Central, J.J.? We're talking about Detroit. Which you want to talk about what may be – I don't want to over-dramatize this, but – I don't think you will. It may be one of the worst infield defenses that I can remember. Especially if they're going with Prince. If Brandon Inge or Ryan Rayburn's at second – I mean, Brandon Inge would be the defensive <laughs> option at second base. <laughs> Certainly not the offensive option. And I don't, I'm, long-time listeners may know, I, I do, uh, while recognizing that he's not a good major league player, I, I love Brandon Inge. I saw him in a 1998 regional for VCU. He's one of the funnest. I, mean, I saw him in the regular season. I remember VCU played at NC State that year, and I saw him again in the regional, which was won by eventual national champion Southern California that year. But VCU was third-place team in that regional. South Alabama with Watt and Pierre was the runner-up. VCU with Brandon Inge. And I, he played a good shortstop. But that was 14 years ago. Many tats, a lot of squads behind him plate, and a lot of grinding major league and professional seasons ago for Brandon Inge. And then, of course, saw him in instructional league when he was making the conversion to catching all these years ago. So he's had a very unique career. Very unique career. But That being said, he's second not, base is not what you would have foreseen yeah. all those many years ago when he started catching. Right, or when he was playing third the last few years. He's built a little bit more like a second baseman than anything else in a lot of ways. But uh, obviously Cabrera at third, and at shortstop, Johnny Peralta, a guy who was a pretty decent third baseman a couple years ago when the Indians finally gave up on him playing shortstop. So it's really not um, a ground the, ball infield. The the thing that is a little scary about that, and I think, Tough for Rick I think we both agree that the the Tigers are clearly the class of the Central. They are. They might be the class of the American League offensively. But that being said, I just do worry about this because the slow pitch softball approach has some danger to it. Yeah, they're going to score a lot of runs. But First of all, it's outdated. They're about six or seven or eight right. years too late on the slow pitch softball approach. But but beyond that, you just you do wear down your pitchers. What that means is it's not just that they're going to have higher ERAs. It also means that they're going to have innings that go longer. That's right. Well, that should have been two, but that didn't turn it. Or, it's a cumulative effect, I believe. And I don't think that that's going to keep them from winning the Central, but I do wonder what that's going to mean come playoff time if they, if we're still talking about the same kind of lineup come playoff time. It's going to be fascinating to watch what happens with those guys. I, I feel like defensively they are going to you – know, I think they're going to give up a lot of runs over the course of a year and, like you said, grind up their pitchers, and I really do worry – about Rick Porcello, who's more of a ground ball guy well, than anything else. But they also had a setback with Jacob Turner, which. Right. But Jacob Turner, if he did come up, same kind of thing. You're expecting him to get a lot of ground balls. and He's a little bit more of a power pitcher, power repertoire, though, than, than Porcello. He's, he's not a carbon copy. Right. He's a little bit more of a power guy. But, you know, but the pitchers, luckily for them, one of their better. Uh, we do have a question, actually, about the Tigers uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, Robert Zukowski, because this is a listener, pretty consistent uh, emailer as well, asks, uh, reports are that Andy Oliver is finally featuring a plus slider this spring. Is or if this is true, what is his upside? I've always thought, J.J., that uh, you know Andy Oliver did have 
a good breaking ball early in his college career, and then he lost it. To me, this the is kind of NCAA took it from that, that, along with or, or Oklahoma State's hopes. We actually talked about this on Monday's podcast with Aaron on the college podcast. But to me, he, he reminds me of a. Now, I'm not going to say Alan Embry. He reminds me of a left-handed Alex White because Alex White also used to have a really good slider. I'm sure there's something in his arm action that changed, something in his takeaway. There was something mechanical that changed with Andy Oliver that he once had the breaking ball and lost it. To me, if you can spin it, I believe I have. I don't have. I don't think either of us have any first-hand reports from spring training, but it's believable. This is not like a guy who's always been a fastball changeup guy and never had a feel for spin, never had an ability to spin. Uh, he's always had the hand speed. You got to have hand speed to uh, have velocity like he has, and. He's always had the hand speed to spin a breaking ball, so it's plausible to me that he has a breaking ball. I think you've always kind of liked – you've never been as high on Jacob Turner as I am, so I, I, it wouldn't shock me. I, I thought that Drew Smiley had an outside shot to be like a nice sleeper rookie this year. I still think that's a, that's a possibility. Andy Oliver has a lot more experience at higher levels. If he is throwing a breaking ball uh, with some competence this spring, I would expect him to get – a long, long look in Detroit. Especially now, now that Turner, you know, velo down. Now that right. they have some injury concerns, you kind of take him out of that running. Well, right. There's an open, there's an open opportunity there, and with Oliver, that it's one of those things where he has the chance to kind of mature into that role. The great thing about being with the Tigers, being a, you know, if he's a fifth starter, they don't need him to go out and dominate. Right. Inning out, outing after outing. They need but him to flash it. They need him to show flashes because if he can show flashes. Then what you're talking about is, is, well, can this guy develop into, really, that's the upside of him. The downside of him is power reliever. Right. So, I, I, and that's, that's, that's why he was a good pick, because the left hand with that kind of arm strength, there's, you're, they're going to get something out of him. Um, but the Tigers that, that's, well, it's one thing the Tigers, if the, the Tigers system, one thing it has, they like guys with arm strength. Right. Clearly. And we're recording this basically at noon on Wednesday. He's pitching in an hour. So we'll watch. Yeah, maybe we'll watch it and, and give you a little bit better scouting report uh, on Twitter uh, after we're done recording it. That's the only American League Central uh, question that I see on Twitter. But JJ, the other team that's had a really rough spring in the American League Central is the Royals, and obviously we err on the side of the prospect. We err on the side of the young, exciting clubs especially when we're prognosticating at the major league level. This podcast set up, by the way, I'm just going to walk around the whole time. This is awesome. The podcast nook is restrictive. Now I'm in, the, uh, in my office. I can just walk around on the master of my domain. Uh, but we picked the Royals second in the division. I don't think we I would do that we, if we had it to do over again no, with their that spring. Was, that was pre-Salvador Perez missing half the season. That was pre-Joaquim uh, Soria has an, has an elbow ligament injury. No decision yet on surgery, but... There is definite damage, they say. Well, right. usually when there's definite damage, something follows on that. Well, you take away, if you said, I, I think I tweeted this out when it happened, if you wanted to pick the player on the Royals that they could least afford to lose, it was Salvador Perez. Not that Salvador Perez is the best player on that team. He's not the Kendall Marshall of their team, but he was close. But it is the player that everywhere else they have some pretty solid depth. They don't have that depth at catcher. We see that. Like, they just made a trade yesterday, right. as we record this, traded away uh, Mar- uh, uh, Kevin Chapman and brought in Humberto Quintero. Kevin Chapman, who was an awful lot like, uh, who do we confuse him for? I forget. Oh, John Lamb? Yeah, no. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, <laughs> but, and really, they had to make some sort of trade because they really didn't have any 
option at backup catcher. Right. Brian Pena, not an everyday catcher, but they didn't have anyone else that you could point to and say, yeah, you could give that guy one or two starts a week. There really wasn't a – I think Cody Clark was the next option. Nothing against Cody Clark, but Oy. not really. I, I didn't mean, realize that was Manny the case. Manny Pena was their backup, was their number three option. He's hurt as well. So – and that was about the thin. That was probably the thinnest position in the organization. The next guy up was, if it's not Cody Clark, maybe Julio Rodriguez. Who they picked up in a trade with the Tigers last year. Julio Rodriguez is not a big league catcher. So they. The interesting thing with this is Jeff Lunau said there's a player to be named, and that will be a significant piece of this trade. Well, Kevin Chapman by himself is a significant piece in that you put him on the Astros and. He's one of their better relieving, you know, relief prospects they have now. Well, they had no lefty arms. Having done their uh, top 30 the last two years, they have very few, if any, homegrown left-handed options. I don't even. I know I didn't rank a left-hander reliever in their top 30. I probably should be a little so, bit more prepared for this, but, but I don't think. I, I don't think I even. I think the depth chart might have just had two guys. So Kevin Chapman becomes their best left-handed he relief feels, prospect. He, he's a useful big league piece but, down the line. And, yeah, Pat Urquitz, Alex Sogard, and Mitchell Lamson were the three guys I even listed as lefty relievers. And, and beyond that, if they're getting something back even That's a more significant piece. If it's even equivalent to Chapman, you're talking about a guy who's definitely going to be, a, I would say, at least a top 20 prospect in the Astros system. Probably better than that. Chap- I'm, I'm Chapman gonna, was 18. I'm going to guess it's going to be someone like Derek Robinson or David Lowe. If Derek Robinson David actually Lowe, makes some sense. David, well, somebody who can play center field because the Astros gave up one of their plan Bs and Jason Bourgeois. Which um, I didn't understand the Bourgeois part for the Royals, but that, you know. Yes. That did <laughs> I did not, not understand the Bourgeois part sense for the to Royals. That me because I don't see how him making their big league roster makes their big league roster better. You know, Jason Bourgeois can hit left-handers. He did that very well last year at uh, the major league level. I just don't, you know, he's, but he's not a super utility anymore. You really don't want him playing the infield. Maybe they have old reports. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of why you would. But I, I understand Jason Bourgeois, the there are lots part of, yeah. makes a whole lot of sense. But, okay. Sorry, we're, we're getting, getting, off, we're off, getting track. off topic. But the, I, don't, I think we're, the Soria injury to me, J.J., it's going to have a ripple effect on this team. I don't, I don't like the Royals for second place in this division. To me, we picked the White Sox fifth. Two through five in this division is completely up in the air. Oh. If Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau are healthy, the Twins, the twins would, be, would be two. Yeah, for me, they'd be two. The reality is, is that I don't think that either of us think the Indians are a playoff contender. At the same time, if if you get uh, a reasonable season out of Grady Sizemore, it, you, you yeah. can't forget that this is much of the same team that last year was the class of the division in April and May. They're like the anti-Tigers uh, in terms of their pitching staff, too. The Tigers, where you have Verlander and Scherzer, these two big power arms, plus uh, Fister, who's kind of a fly ball guy. Uh, then you, you know, if Andy Oliver's in their fifth starter, you'd have a lot of power arms in that rotation. Not And really, only Porcello would be the only kind of ground ball guy. And you know, the bullpen is, again, a, a strikeout fly ball kind of bullpen. The, the the Indians are the complete opposite between Derek Lowe, Ubaldo Jimenez. It's just a bunch of hyper – Justin Masterson. It's just hyper ground balls. Ground ball, ground ball, ground so, ball. And they, they do have a better de- infield defense than – not a great one, but they a better do, one but than yeah, Detroit. Jason Kipnis – But it's not what you would design if you said, hey, we're going to have a ground ball staff. Yeah, Kipnis and Chisholm those guys aren't – they're better than whoever's going to play second and, and Miguel Cabrera. 
But this is not exactly, you know, rolling out Scott Rowland and a bunch of, uh, yeah, this is not, just to put it in strat terms, it's not a bunch of ones on defense. It's a bunch of threes. You're going to have a lot of, you're going to, they're average defenders who are going to have to be above average, I think, for that pitching staff to really maximize its potential. Uh, and, and I think, I think what we're really saying is, is that any of these teams almost, even the Royals still, the Royals could still be second in this division, I think, if everything breaks right for them. But they could be fifth. The White Sox, we picked fifth. They could be second. I don't, I don't see any of these. I, you know, the Tigers really have to fall flat for them not to win this division, I think, right now. But, but you're right. I, I think it's a jumble after that. I really do. And the thing about the Tigers, even with their defensive issues, and that could be evident in the postseason, we've seen in postseasons what it can mean to have a duo like that in the middle. I, I know I've made this comparison before, but they just remind me so much of Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz in the middle of the lineup. And as good as Ryan Braun is, Miguel Cabrera is better. He's, I would even say, significantly better than Ryan Braun because he's so much more patient offensively. And that's just as good a duo as there is in baseball. Well, and that duo with the, the surrounding pieces performing well that's going to be a ferocious offense come postseason for Detroit. They, to me, yeah, well, they're the American League favorite. That's what I'm not going to go. With, I'm not going to pick them as my favorite, though. Okay. I, 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 and the reason I say that is, is that that's true. That's a ferocious middle of the line. And I love their power arms. I love their front three: of Verlander, uh, it, Fister, and, and it, Scherzer. It, I, I like that too. That being said, I do think the other thing we saw was is what stood out like with the Rangers last year was how deep the lineup was. Yeah. And depth of a lineup can be as scary as having a monstrous middle. No doubt, but and they it, did have a monster middle of Hamilton and Beltre. They did. I mean, those but two the guys other were... Thing that they had, they had Nelson just, Cruz. They had Nelson Cruz. They had Mike Napoli. They had it where it was like, okay, got through that guy. Oh, right. crap, who I got next? Oh, and then who's on? Oh, and you were something where it was like, it, there were very few rest spots right. in that lineup. And that's right. where I think right now, to me... Man, it's going to be a great – the AL, let's be honest, the yeah. AL is just – It's loaded. It's a notch above the NL right now. You mentioned the Rangers. Let's talk about the American League West. Um, the American a, League West a, is, is going to be t- a fascinating two-team race for first place and for playoff spots. I mean, the Rangers and the Angels, I think, are both obviously loaded. J.J., let's talk real quick about uh, and the Mariners both, and the A's. Yeah, I was going to say, Mariners and A's, the – Okay, yeah, even with a second wild card, we're not really in the running teams. The uh, A's are going to be fascinating, though. Now we have Joanna Cespedes to watch in center field. You know, we have this gruntled Coco Crisp saying, like, I want to sign back here if, I didn't, if I'd known I was going to go to left field. If I'd known this was going to be this kind of party, I would have maybe signed somebody, somewhere else. Um, they sent Jared Parker down, so one less interesting guy. He's not going to make the big league club absolutely. out of camp. Um, but the A's, at least, it, it almost feels like Joanna Cespedes, that, that, that signing was... Please pay attention to us for the next two years, fans. Uh, right, but that and that being said, though, I, I do think he's going to have some growing pains, and so which fits well because I think it's a team that's going to have some growing pains. I, I agree. They're going to have some spurts where they're, they're going he, well, he and some toward, where they don't. I do think for him. I know that it was recently a story came out. He said, "Well, I you know I almost signed with the Cubs, but the Cubs wouldn't give me the same number of years that I wanted that the, that the A's did. I wanted four or eight, and they wanted six. I think he's better off." for his development being with the A's because he's with a team where really he can kind of figure this out at the big league level, and there's not a whole lot of pressure there. I don't think there's any pressure playing for the Cubs. <laughs> you know, let's be realistic. I mean, I know that they, they don't have 
they still have high payrolls. They're obviously trying to get out from underneath those payrolls. But uh, the Cubs don't have a ton of competition. Now, I mean, Marlon Byrd would be better suited on an outfield corner anyway. For me, I, I, I think you know, I think the Cubs would have been a good fit for him as well. But Oakland, there could be no less scrutiny almost in the major leagues. You're playing in, in, in anonymity almost as much for the A's as for anywhere else. No about, player is going to be a bigger star than the general manager. What about Seattle? Well, Seattle is going to be fascinating to watch. With I want to see what Jesus Montero does there, and I kind of wonder uh, how the Mariners, how long they'll hold off on their young pitchers coming up to the major leagues. But they seem like they have enough, you know, pieces to hold it in there. I like their chances better than Oakland's, but I just don't see them having the firepower either on the mound or in the lineup to contend with either the the, the A's or the I mean, the Angels or the Rangers. The, the guy I'm very interested to see what happens this year. It's not Dustin Ackley, it's not Jesus Montero, it's Justin Spoke. Uh, yeah, well, f- he's got to kind of sink or swim this, this year, is, JJ. This is the year. If we come to the end of this year and you go, you know, Smoke hadn't really figured it out, I, I think at that point you've got to say in Seattle, okay, well, we're going on. His chances of being a star pretty much end, in my mind, if he's not, if he doesn't really make significant progress he's, this he's year. He's the Pedro Alvarez of the American League. That's right, and they're always going to be linked together. They were on the, they're in the same draft in 2008. Uh, compared and contrasted as the top two bats in that draft. They were teammates with the USA uh, World Cup team in 2009, gold medal USA World Cup team. Um, they're always going to be compared to each other, uh, obviously played against each other for three and years. And right now they're getting the compared to each other, and it's not a good comparison. It's not flattering. It's not flattering. But Justin Smokes had some – I, I, I have a little bit more faith in Smoke. I have faith in both players coming through. I'm a little bit more in Smoke just because he's had some off-field stuff, whether it was the eye injury last year or uh, the year before where his grandfather died and getting traded. But, He's had a few more adjustments to make than Alvarez. The Mariners need, like, if you said to me, he's the guy, you think that Ackley's going to hit, you think that Montero's going to hit, you hope that, if you're the Mariners fan, you hope that Ichiro kind of goes back to being more of Ichiro than you saw last year. At least a dead cat bounce. Right. Well, <laughs> but to me, if that lineup is going to produce runs, the guy that you've got to get kind of, I don't even say, you don't say unexpected, but the guy who you've got to get something from is if you get something from Smoke, yeah. then all of a sudden you've to got contend, to, to contend, they have to count on Justin Smoke, and he's just not proved yet that he's someone that you can count on. So uh, the other aspect out there, obviously, to watch is I think they have to show some signs of life to help their case for keeping Felix Hernandez long-term. Yeah, that's obviously part of the equation there going forward, and, and we'll see. I mean, they, and the signs of life for that for that though will very much probably be at some point not lose season or late games. season when you bring up these other arms and you say, right. "Oh, hey, hey, yeah. there is some hope here." Right between Danny Holtz, I expect to see both Danny Holtz and, and James Paxson in the major league sometime this year. Best case scenario for them, you don't see them until September, you know, and they're they're getting their feet wet so they can really make an impact next year. Okay, so let's move on to the to the Rangers versus Angels. Who who do you got, JJ? Rangers. See, I'm, I I think the Angels are going to be the team there. I just like their starting pitching better than than Texas. As good as Texas' starting pitching could be, and as interesting as you Darvish is this year, I still think that there's a little bit of an unknown there. And C.J. Wilson would still be even if it was still in Texas, he'd be your number two starter there in Texas. And what is he, the four guy? And yeah. with the Angels, uh, I love their starting pitching. I, the thing I love, one of the things I love with the Rangers, is I feel like that they have, they have a couple things. One, I feel like that they have a depth. They have a more a deeper there a, is, a roster and more ways to beat you than any team in baseball. I'll put it this way: we said like this is the guy the Royals couldn't lose. 
There, I, Josh Hamilton. I think the Rangers. Uh, to me, Josh Hamilton's the guy you point to and say, "Well, they can't lose him." I think if the Rangers lost Josh Hamilton for a month or two, they could figure out a way around it. I agree. I, I, I don't think that there's anyone. You Darvish. If you Darvish, we found out tomorrow, which it's not. This is a hypothetical. In case you just tuned in, right? You know, skipped a little ahead. But if you Darvish, something happened to him and he missed the season. Well, okay. Well, I guess we got to put Ogando back in the That's rotation. Right. Oh right. darn! You know, it's not something where. They don't have a guy that you that they have to depend on because they have such depth. Right. They have they have. And if they if someone gets hurt, they can. No one has the farm system to go out and make a trade like they do. I'll put it this way: if you want, and to me, Michael sticks with them and is very useful for them at some point. But he also, right now, his best position, he's blocked. Well, with that being the case, if you hit June or July, and you needed to make a move, Michael is. Is could if he has the first half of the season we expect, that's a Justin Oaks, a Justin Smoke sized trade ship like they did a couple of years ago. It is. It's it's very it's quite comparable. That's a great that's a great point to kind of compare him to to Smoke. Um, you because you've also got another third baseman in your farm system, Christian Villanueva, who made our top 100. Um, you and have I don't, think, arms. I don't think there's any anything that would get you to trade away Jerks and Profar, but uh, I'll put it this way: if you say that. No one has a better trade chip because no, I don't I'll think we've seen more Harper or Trout getting is, dealt. He is as great as he is. He is blocked at his best position right. in that organization, or at least if not blocked, they have someone ahead of him playing at the big league level who you don't, you know, who you really like. So they have these potential trade chips if they need to use them. Now they probably don't even need to use those guys. Right. They could make some more of the Joe Elin, Robbie Erlin style trades and do pretty well. Both guys we like. Both guys are pretty good. Uh, guys who are nothing to sneeze at. Uh, you know, guys who'd be, you know, top prospects in a lot of good farm systems because they're they're pitchers who throw strikes. They're young for they were young for their league last year, but they had success in Double A at a proper age. They both have good stuff. They're just not front line starting pitchers. So they have uh, there's not a lot more where that came from in terms of those kind of pitchers, but they do have other good young arms coming through their farm system. And whereas the Angels, the thing I think that the the danger, the Rangers have depth. The Angels definitely have less wiggle room. There's no they question about that. Less wiggle room. But the other thing is, is the Angels have old guys who you have to, I don't want to say coddle, but in some ways coddle. It's something where you have, and I don't want to get too much into. I think sometimes clubhouse, you know, dynamics and all get overplayed. But you've got guys like you know, you've got okay. Well, how are we going to get at bats for Abreu? How where are we going to fit in Trumbo? Those are good problems to have. Right. And the reality of this is that right now, Mike Trout hasn't played enough in spring training to where it's a problem that he's not going to start the season. Yeah, he's really not a factor. You know, Their right. outfield depth is actually going to be a good thing because right now Trout hasn't played and Jeremy Moore might need surgery on his hip. So there's two of their young athletic guys who, if one of the older guys gets hurt, they have that versatility. But between Morales and Abreu, they still have and Trumbo. Uh, they still have plenty of guys. I still feel like if they needed to play Vernon Wells or Torrey Hunter in center field for a short spell, they would do that if Borges got hurt. And Peter Borges' speed makes – I think he does reduce the wear and tear on both those veteran corner guys. But that being said, that's some of the things, the dynamics you have to work out. Those are good problems to have. At the same time, those are problems in some ways when you are having – because they're asking guys to play – like with Trumbo, okay – 
Where are you going to get him at bats? That's going to be a is, challenge for them. Is he going to play some third base? Is that going to work out? Right. That's, that's a Miguel Cabrera-esque third base possibilities. You know, Not even as good. <laughs> Not even as good. And so, to me... The Rangers don't have those questions. I still think that those are those are nitpicking. Uh, those are pretty nitpicky questions. Oh. I still oh, think, I think this that was, hey, I think both of these teams are playoff teams, and this, way, this, who finishes one or two probably is not going to make a whole lot of difference necessarily. But I, I love the I, I like the fact that okay, you have Weaver, Heron, Wilson, Santana. There's very few teams in the major leagues that have a foursome. That's a fearsome foursome. It is. Um, you have Garrett Richards and Jerome Williams fighting for that fifth spot. Jerome Williams is one of my favorite stories in the, in the, in the big leagues. Guy was in the wilderness, came back, was effective last year in the major leagues, pitched well in winter ball, but, having a good spring. And the good Garrett thing about Richards, it is you have some pitching depth. There. Right, you, you, you probably, You're going to need six here's starters. How you do that. Here's how you do that realistically. You hand it to Williams. I mean, this is one of those things yeah, that teams Garrett always Richards say. For. But you hand it to Williams because Richards is in the back pocket, and you right. say, if you can keep it up, hey, and if you can't, we've got the guy to replace you. Absolutely. I like their bullpen. I like Scott Downs, Jordan Walden. I like some of their power arms back there. I think Richards could be a factor oh, back there. I, like I think Johnny Hellwood could be a factor back there come postseason time. A fascinating feature about Johnny Hellwood coming up on our minor league preview issue. But to me, it all comes down to the guys who are actually – I know they don't have the Rangers' depth of versatility. They have the, the deepest, most versatile – roster in the big leagues. But when it comes down to just what that starting lineup's going to look like, I like the Angels right. lineup as good or better than anybody's. And I, I love the Chris Iannetta uh, acquisition. They upgraded so significantly behind the plate. I also expect that Mike Napoli's going to crash a little bit back to earth. Yeah, he's, um, You'd be shocked if he did the same thing he did this right. year because Last year he was one of the best players in baseball. I think the Angels he had, have he had one not the, been one of the best players in baseball before last. And I think the Angels have a couple of the more underrated players in the game. Actually, I think Peter Borges uh, and yes, Peter Borges is Greek. So, but I think he's underrated. I think Eric Ibar is underrated. I think Howie Kendrick really emerging. Um, so I like the Angels. Just the, the guys, and, they're front line let's guys. Be Getting Kendrick Morales back. If Kendrick Morales is the Kendrick Morales he was pre injury. Right. That's a and that's what I'm saying. I like their starting lineup as good as Texas's. I think Texas defense probably a hair better, and I like the starting rotation for the Angels better. So the, the I understand the, they aren't as deep. They have a, a less balanced, really flawed roster in some ways, but I like their star power. I think they're going to outlast the Rangers. We do have to acknowledge, though, at the same time with the Rangers, there still is a question about center field because Leonis Martin. They've pretty much said not ready. Yeah, not ready. Got a lot to work on. Pedro so then Borbon, your question begins. Not a dude. <laughs> not there, Craig Gentry, or do you say, you know what? Because I think I, think they, I called him Pedro. It's Julio Borbon. Yeah, Julio Borbon. Pedro, you know, the Borbon <laughs> senior and junior. Both, um, both no longer relevant. But it, it is something where you eventually, if none of those guys, what ends up happening is you either trade for someone or Josh Hamilton ends up back in center at some point. Right, exactly. And that's what you're trying to avoid in some ways. But that is so. It's not like that. There's not flaws there too. But that's the thing. They have they have nice star power in their lineup. At the same time, they have several spots where they're going to be below average, below league average in center field, first base, maybe even DH, depending on how Michael Young continues to age. Although I know the DHs aren't uh, aren't hitting like they used to. Shortstop, they're probably going to be league average. Um, so I like I like Texas, obviously. Well, a lot to again, like. we think we think both of these teams are playoff teams. I do. We? I think they're both playoff teams. I think Detroit's an easy playoff team. We're both saying the American League East is a as a one playoff uh, no. division uh, 
Dude. Oh, yeah, two. Oh, yeah, they're five. Hello. That's what I'm saying. Um, like, this to me, like, this becomes... I think the American League East team will be the fifth, though. I really do. I think that division is stronger and deeper. I think the A's and the Mariners are going to get beat up a little bit. Yeah, that's the difference <laughs> uh, is that, like, you look in the East and you say, the Blue Jays we pick as number four. You put the Blue Jays in the Central, and I'm They're the talking, number two team. They're the number two team, and I would give them, considering the Central, I'd say, you know, they're the team who actually could give the Tigers a run. Absolutely. I think they would give the Tigers a run in that division. Um, you put them in the East, and you go, oh, you're doing a lot of good things. I don't know if you're there yet. Now, we picked the Yankees as a staff to win the American League East. Um, but I think w- the funny thing is, as a staff, we picked the Rays as one of the wild card teams and then to win the American League pennant. Um, which I can, which you can make the argument, which is that come playoff time, yeah, that's a that's that's a staff you don't want to face in the playoffs. That's the pitching staff I would take over. Um, <laughs> I would say I would like better than the Angels in terms of its first foursome, uh, because you have two left-handers and Price and more like that than Hellickson, and then you pick the fourth, whether it's Jeff Neiman or Wade Davis or James Shields. I would pick James Shields right now. Both Wade the, Davis. The Rays will pick James Shields because they still talk oh, about yeah. him as. Right, and Jeff Neiman was having a great spring, and his last start wasn't so hot, and Wade Davis had been struggling, and his last start was pretty good. So I don't know what they're going to do with that six-man rotation. Uh, maybe they should go Japanese style and use a six-man rotation, J.J., and use it. But they, you know, their, their starting pitching is so good. That would be so fascinating, good. like, hey, we're going to go every six days, and by the way, but we're expecting you to go 125, 130. That's right, you're going to go 120 pitches every start. But you're only, but, well, but only going to start every six. It would be fascinating to watch. That's almost the, the college approach. You're going to start once a week. That one start, you will pitch 140 pitches, and I do not care what happened in the third. You will still be pitching in the seventh. So, you know, not every school, obviously, but that is the approach some colleges take. But that being said, so we love the Rays' rotation. Yes. What do you think about the offense? I do you think it gets uh, – on paper, it gets better, uh, Pena – Bring them more power. They need more power. You I get every day. Pena, I do feel like with Carlos Pena that you're always like, okay, which Carlos Pena are we getting? Are we yeah. getting the 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 really good Carlos Pena, or are we getting the hits home runs? Even really good Carlos Pena hits 260. Right. You know? But that, I'm saying that's the really good Carlos Pena. Or are we getting the 190? And I know batting, you know, he gets, still gets on base some, but. Are we getting the guy who you know you get a lot of strikeouts I and thought some power? I thought their cumulative approach worked really well with a contact kind of. The, the, the way Casey Koshman hit last year, that worked really well for them. Yeah. When to you say that's an upgrade, gets, yeah. the reality of it is, is that you could see a scenario where when you look at the end, not that Carlos Pena is not a better player than Casey Koshman, but Casey Koshman has such a good season for them last year. Right. It's going to be hard it to may not be, there. He may not produce more run. You know. I, think he, I think they will a little bit. I think it will be a marginal upgrade there. I think Desmond Jennings for a full season is the biggest upgrade. And but, then, you know, J.J. last year – their catcher and shortstop no, that's spots the big thing, were just complete it, zeros. And now you have Reed Brignac, who's hurt. He's got plantar fasciitis, fasciitis, however you pronounce it. Um, so shortstop's a hole. And behind the plate, they're really just going catch and throw. Jose Lobatone, Jose Molina, it's catch and throw for Tampa. They have, they, they have two – when you say that, okay, there are no – like we were talking about, well, there's not many – there's not many breathing spots, you know, safe zones in that line. They have a couple safe zones. There are a couple zones. where you're like, okay, well, this, this is an AL, but I'm facing That's right. pitcher you're, equivalent. You're facing these guys, and you're pretty much going to be pitching like it's like you're 1910. You know, I can, uh, I'm not in a pinch. <laughs> I can go easier on these guys. Um, so, But I still do think that they have to get, just by 
the law of just by regressing to the mean. Their short stop production. They're going to get a little bit better at those spots. That's right. So uh, for me, I like their offense. I kind of like the Luke Scott acquisition. um, uh, You know, as a DH to give them some more left-handed power. Uh, I think their bullpen will be better with a healthy uh, JP Howell. Got some more options from the left side. More, again, a more maturing uh, Jake McGee. I like the Fernando Rodney acquisition for them. Um, Joe Madden's the separator uh, for that team. Besides their starting pitching. The, the interesting thing is, is this is one year I can think of though. They have, they still have excellent starting pitching depth. Like if they, they're beyond the six. Oh yeah. They have a seven and an eight that you wouldn't. Yeah, Alex Torres and Alex Cobb uh, are big league ready guys. They're back of the rotation guys. Torres has a little bit more lively but if you stuff. Need, if you, uh, they're a team that could survive two starting pitcher injuries where you say I agree. they're still throwing guys out there who are representative guys. You're not saying, okay, well, we just have to pray that we're going to win today. And if they get in the danger zone, they can always go to Chris Archer. Aye. Pun intended. Aye, aye, nicely done. Pun but intended. The Yankees... I do also like a lot of what the Yankees did in the offseason because I think that they finally addressed one of the big, the, really the problem they had going into last season. Okay, hey, you know what? We we can't just piece together a rotation behind CC right. and see how it works out. Not when A.J. Burnett's one of those pieces. Yeah, he just wasn't the right fit in New York. So the Pineda trade, I think we thought that. I think we both think that could be a real win-win. What do you think of the Pettit signing, J.J.? Is that a sign of desperation? What, what, well, what did you I make of that? I don't see it as desperation because I see it as, what's the downside on that? Well, you block some of your younger pitchers. Uh, what if what if you wind up signing down Ivan Nova? What if uh, what do you do you think if, if you still have faith in Phil Hughes? Um, which that, I took it as a vote of no confidence in Phil Hughes. I, I think there's a fair vote. Like okay. I think that that but. I think that they look at it as... Phil Hughes has been good in the major leagues. Oh, I'm not I think he can he, be good. I think I'm he not be saying good he again. hasn't, and I do think that he's a guy who it may behoove him to get out of New York at this point. That's that possible, said, too. I think the Yankees look at it as, who would, we, who would we rather have penciled in for October, Pettit or Phil Hughes? For one with Phil Hughes, Pettit may be a whole lot older. We feel more confident that Pettit will be there and ready to throw. Cause and I, I think also the injury, I know it's not terribly serious, but the injury to David Robertson, Phil Hughes has thrived in that role. Uh, in the past, Jabba Chamberlain has thrived in that role. If he comes back, I the Yankees are looking internally. They have middle relief options, and replacing David Robertson is really difficult. That guy has been so good for them. And, again, talk about suited to New York. That guy wants the ball uh, in the late innings, and Rafael Soriano only wants the ball in the ninth. You know, <laughs> it seems like so. Uh, that that's that sign did not work out as well for them. To me, the bigger question for the Yankees just again their athleticism and especially their infield defense as they age with A Rod, Jeter, uh, Teixeira, to a lesser degree, Cano. Seems to be a theme with a lot of the better uh, you know teams in the AL. Yeah, it is. I think it is a theme, and uh, you know, we'll see how. To, to me, again, I, as I've said all off season, I thought the Yankees really had a, I wouldn't say a crying need, but they had a need for Jesus Montero. I thought they needed a young, right-handed power bat in the middle of their lineup to complement well, all their lefty old. bats, and, and they stayed old. They've decided that power right-handed bat is going to be Andrew Jones, who I know was pretty good for them last year in that limited role. But uh, for me, Russ Martin had two good months last year. A-Rod's 36, 37 years old, past his prime, so... And Derek Jeter, the same thing. So, uh, so I, I still think they're vulnerable 
in the right in the wrong matchup in a playoff are, are series. Are the Red Sox uh, gonna? Where, where do you see? I mean, I. It's hard to see Boston being in the same class to me as New York and Tampa. I just don't think they are. Uh, you know, you have a, a a rotation at the top of Beckett, Lester, and Buckholtz, where Beckett and Lester really folded, collapsed down the stretch. Obviously, um, Buckholtz couldn't stay healthy. You have two converted relievers in the mix, and Aceves and Bard. Looks like Bard is gonna stay in the rotation. Aceves maybe not, and that's a little iffy. Uh, their their bullpen looks better, but you know the Red Sox are still paying for mistakes in their player development on the pitching side. They have not. We, we've chronicled Alex Spears written about it at WEI.com. Uh, they just haven't developed homegrown pitchers well since Buck Holtz and Lester. Those are two pretty great examples, but. You can't. You can't just have the one wave. Even the Red Sox can't just have the one wave the when it comes to prospects. Put it is JJ, we just talked about it. How with the teams they're battling with, with the Yankees, okay, if Pettit doesn't work out, hey, Phil Hughes, you know, in the rotation, Ivan Nova, right? With the Rays, it's we've got we've got six big league starters now, right? And we've got two more in reserve for the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Felix Dubrant and is pretty important for them. He's he's having a decent spring. He's really got to be. He's going to pitch a lot of major league innings this the, year. The reality is, is the Red Sox, if they have if they have one of their big pitchers go down, there's not there's not a whole lot of obvious choices of hey, this is the guy, the next guy out. Yeah. Even the guys who they had who failed at that role last year, some of them aren't in the organization anymore. And the Papelbon losing Papelbon, I, I like their setup guys, but I love Mark Melanson as a setup guy. I like Andrew Bailey quite a bit. I, I do like their approach that they basically, as far as the pen, yeah. They went. They didn't depend on one guy. They said we're right. going to find numbers. But uh, you look at their lineup, and you know their shortstop is. I wouldn't say it's a mess, but shortstop is not a strength for them. Behind the you know behind the plate is iffy. Um, I'm not sure about their right field situation. It looks like it's going to be Cody Ross and maybe Ryan Kalish. You know, I mean, not profile power in right field for this team. So. There's some real legitimate questions. I could even see Toronto supplanting Boston if some things break Toronto's way. Like, you know, for example, uh, Brett Lowry being a super stud. Because they don't have the right-left combination that we're talking about for some of the other clubs. But you're going to be hard-pressed, JJ, to find two guys in the lineup with the bat speed that Jose Batista and Brett Lowry have. In terms of pure bat speed, that might be the best one-two punch in the major leagues. And. And you throw into it that again, that's an organization that has developed. You know, they they have to, they have a lot of talent in the farm system. So if they are in the running, well, I don't want to overemphasize this because there aren't right. that many deadline deals that change right. pennant races. But like if there was a but if there were a Cliff Lee who's out there in the market, if they need a guy, they can get a guy because they have the they have the farm system to do that. If there was ever a team that could use. Uh, you know, big lefty bat in between Lowry and Batista at this club. So, you know, that's why they're not quite in that conversation. They do have interesting left-handed hitters. Adam Lind, Eric Thames, been a little bit better. I think I think we thought he would be. Even Kelly Johnson, Colby Rasmus, two young guys who I guess Johnson's I kind of a to veteran. Me, to me, Colby Rasmus is the guy who, it's, if he figures it out, he's, he's, he's in he's that like Justin, Justin Smoke. He's absolutely. in that Justin Smoke category of a guy who. You know, and you can't say he can't figure it. Like, if he has a Cameron Maben 2011, yeah, the year where it's like after we've waited all this time. That's right. This year it kind of comes example. together because I mean you've got look. The, you, you can't help but compare. It, it was the, the four were it was Upton, it was Maben, it was Rasmus, and it was Jay Bruce. Oh, five McCutcheon. 
Yeah, and five, McCutcheon, you're right. Well, right now, Colby, yeah. you're fifth. Absolutely. Fifth with an with a anvil sinking to the so bottom. So let's see. Let's see if you, you know, if you're in that, if you're in that discussion anymore or not. And we'll see who to blame. Is it, is it your, is it your, on you is or is it Larusa? You had no one else left to blame. You know, um, I know he's not the manager there anymore, but Cito Gaston's always there to help young hitters in Toronto, and it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast with John and JJ. JJ, let's let's just dive into the Twitter questions right. before we finish got, the podcast. I got a Mitch thirty three sixty three. When do you think Gary Brown will reach the majors, and who do you compare him to? I know you're. I like Gary Brown. You're, you're a Gary Brown fan. I'm not as sure who I would compare him to. I mean, honestly, he's kind of like a more offensive Peter Borges. I mean, uh, but he's got similar. Peter Borges had double-digit home runs last year. I think Gary Brown will do that. I think he'll hit for a higher average, but otherwise the games are pretty similar. I don't think he's quite the game-changer defensively that Borges is, but in terms of speed, electric, just an electric runner, um, you know, Gary Brown's just hes a pretty unique player. When he'll reach the majors. Okay, if you go by the Giants' approach to center fielders, tomorrow <laughs> it, it'll be about seven years from now. Because That's he has right. To 30. That's right. I'm the, I'm the opposite, right? That, that, that was a fascinating stat you dug up. What was it again? Uh, that basically the, the, the Giants' center fielder, everyday center fielder, and there is a year like in 2007 where they didn't really have an everyday. Like, to me, to be an everyday, you had to at least play 82 games right. in center. That's reasonable. You know, you, you have to play half the season to center. They haven't had an everyday center fielder under the age of 30. And I would say that their average age of their center fielder is closer, is on the upside of 35 right. since 2001. I do think that... Uh, Gary Brown will change that. that will be the, the, he will be the guy who will fix that. I don't, I don't know how old he is, but I do think Angel Pagan is a really good placeholder for that team. Though I, I know that he is, he, he's not quite the guy that he was a couple of years ago with the Mets, and he's older than 30, so he fits in. He fits he's, perfectly. Yeah, he's uh, he's 30. Well, he's 30. He'll be 31 this I was year. Say, I remember him in the, o two, I want to say, o two o three when I was doing the Mets. Right. I, I, don't, I don't expect him to be 694 ops Angel Pagan. I don't expect him to be 837 ops Angel Pagan. If he's in that 760 ops range like he was in 2010, to me that Angel Pagan is a nice, that'd be a nice piece for the Giants. Uh, and the guy really to watch there is Melky Cabrera. You know, is he last year Melky, or, or which Melky is he? Because if he's uh, last year Melky, we said this, uh, I think, in the last podcast, if he's last year Melky, all of a sudden he's one of the better, I mean, he's center, it's not great center fielder from the standpoint of defensively, but he, he's one of the more productive center fielders in, in baseball, which is crazy to say. Absolutely. Yeah, he would be. Uh, he'd be very productive. Because if he does player. it two years in a row, at that point you go, okay, this wasn't a fluke. Uh, JJ, I've got a question here from uh, Matt Hansen. He's so hot right now. Uh, Matt Hansen three M Hansen three two four on the Twitter. Uh, have we been watching Chris Parmley of late? Is he making adjustments and getting better, or simply getting lucky? He made the adjustments last year, JJ, and I don't think he's getting lucky. This guy was a first round pick in two thousand six. Uh, there's been no real need to rush him, but he also has taken it slow. This is a guy whose swing has been tinkered with. Over and over They've in his minor league career, he, he, ha, he has absolutely been a tinkerer. And to my understanding, last year he really settled on a swing and he stopped tinkering. He picked one and stuck with it. You know, he took the Oprah Which, advice. At some point, you have to do that. You have to because you. Know, you I mean, unless you're, you're Cal fat. Ripken, unless you're Cal Ripken, and you just say, okay, every couple of years, I'm just going to completely change. But I mean, I think he's legit. 
that's why we ranked him in the top ten this year, and we hadn't done that before. Now I'm looking at him in the prospect handbook. He's got the bug eyes. <laughs> that's not a good that's not a good mugshot for Chris Parmalee. Um, but he seems very excited to be in our prospect handbook with that photo. Um, but I think the bigger issue for, for Chris Parmalee, I think he'll hit for average. I think the power that he showed in target field last year was a little fluky. He had the four home runs in September. Uh, Matt Eddy with a great chart that he had on BaseballAmerica.com last week. Uh, I believe it's on the prospect blog where he broke down the statistics and which ballparks hinder and help your power. And you know, target field s- suppresses power for left-handed power hitters, um, which is, of course, you know, with Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau, not exactly convenient for the way their team is presently constructed. But if Justin Morneau has a recurrence of his concussion issues, I do feel like while he's cheap, Chris Parmalee is a good replacement level, solid that's a, that's average a cheap, player. And that's the thing you've got. Not replacement level, solid average. But, but that's a useful thing you just said. It's like, while he's cheap. There are guys, you know, there are guys who are solid for you, and the minute that they become expensive, you go, okay, this guy's not good enough to pay a lot of money to. I agree. So I do think he's, I don't think he's lucky. I think he's legit. I think he has gotten better. Um, I think he is a legitimate option for the Twins as an everyday first baseman if uh, Morneau's in trouble. I got a one here, OBJS guy 44, O-B-J-E-S guy 44. Oh, uh, I see it, yeah. Who's asking, who has been the most involved team in Latin America the last three years? The Jays are up there, right? I think we agree on who's the most involved. Um, I can't. Well, the Rangers. Rangers. <laughs> the Rangers are the, the most Rangers involved. are the most involved. They're and the in- Yankees are always right there. The, the, the American League's old guard of involved, you know, dominating Latin America are Seattle and New York. The Yankees and the Mariners. The Mariners are probably the most organ, the most international of organizations. Players from the most spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of, of prospects. That's the Seattle Mariners. Whether it's Italy, Japan, Nicaragua, wherever, they're there. But the Rangers have outspent everybody. In a lot of ways, they've outworked everybody in Latin America. They get credit for both. Um, we'll see how the high Robera stuff shakes out. We've discussed that, obviously, on the podcast. And, and Ben Babler has written about it at length. Uh, but to me, the Rangers have been, in the last three years, the most active. And those and, three organizations, and, to me, kind of set themselves and apart. And i flip the question, because you know, we talk about this a little bit, too. I'd, I'd probably put it the Indians and the Jays in that next tier. Right. On the other hand, now, there are, Ben Badler, if you're, if you're a subscriber, he's, got, he's pushing out. You know, We've got the AL Central went up today. He also put out some great charts last week, which were available for anyone, which, yep. it's a on chart. how much everyone spent last year. And the thing that jumps out is, it's like if you say who are the least involved in Latin America, we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. Yep. Dodgers, yeah. White Sox, well, Orioles. And also the, and the Orioles. The Orioles have been the least involved for a long time. And the study, one piece of our major, of our minor league preview, uh, some charts, and all this is going to go up online next next week, I believe. That Connor Glassy did. We took a snapshot. December seventh, two thousand eleven, the day that will live in infamy as the seventieth anniversary of Pearl Harbor. But on that day was a snapshot that uh, Connor uh, looked at all guys on forty man rosters plus free agents. It's like a pool of about twelve hundred players, and basically broke down where they came from and sliced them and diced them. And the, out of all those twelve hundred players, there were two international signees for the Baltimore Orioles on any of those rosters. Koji Uhara, who was a major league free agent from Japan, and Pedro Florimon, who yeah, was the just, fringiest not, of the fringe. They've just not. They have not. They've been a non-factor completely. You, um, got, you got any more? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, well, there, there's several more. Um, Jimbo, who's also been on our podcast uh, with some questions before. Don't think the Rangers are better off with Scott Feldman or Alexio Gondo in the rotation than Neftali Feliz. JJ, I don't know if I'd say better off. 
I think Naftali Feliz's arm is just way. so good, but that's it. They they're flexible. If Feliz falls on his face, put him right back in the bullpen and bring Ogando back in the rotation if you need to. Uh, to I don't. Me, I, I think we. I think that's just to be determined. To to me, it's with that. Okay. If you if it works out with Feliz, Feliz I think has more potential to be an ace or be a front end of the rotation guy than Ogando. And if it doesn't work out. That just means that you managed to limit Ogando's innings this year, which isn't a bad thing either. Also, I agree, not a bad thing. Um, we also uh, have a couple other ones. I want to make sure I, I read the right ones because um, I have too many East Carolina love uh, replies in here as well. Um, now, this last one is from Norberto Paulino. Rookies that we think can surprise and help their team in 2012. I thought you already mentioned one earlier who could be a surprise. We, we kind of talked about the, with the Tigers. It wouldn't shock me if Drew Smiley wound up uh, being an important part of the rotation. I think that some left-hander pitching in the rotation this year would behoove them uh, between Scherzer, Verlander, Fister, Porcello. It's a pretty right-handed club. Wouldn't shock me if Smiley were in that. Also wouldn't shock me even if Adam Wilk, who's an off-speed guy, it, you know, makes some productive starts for Detroit. But I, don't think the, the, I don't think any of those left-handers are rookie of the year caliber for them. A um, couple, just you know, doing bapper. Every day, a couple of guys that just jump out, and I don't think I'm not, I'm not really to say any of these are rookie year guys. Freddie Galvis just became very important right. to the Phillies. Yeah, he did. He's going to learn how to play second base on the job. They really don't have, you know, Martinez got hurt yesterday. They don't have any other options really. So I guess they really don't, do they? Uh, they may go out for a trade, but if not, Freddie Galvis is their second baseman until Chase Utley's back. It looks like and. I don't think either of us are real confident that Galvis will hit enough to do that right yet. I think no. both of us feel like he should be very. I don't know how he's going to turn the double play. I'll say this: his range at second should be. I don't want to go as far as to say Alomar esque, but it it should be probably should be better than Roberto Alomar. Yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, the way that the, the way that Bill James keeps him and the way the the right. advanced but, metrics say. Um, but no, but I, I do think that he he could be. Uh, He's going to be very important for them. Um, defense should be special for defense them. Defense should be special. He's going to hit seventh or eighth in that lineup at least. At I'm fascinated time. to watch both the Asian left-handers that the uh, at the Orioles signed this year. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but Wei Yin Chen and Suyoshi Wada. I've been a Suyoshi Wada fan for a long time, but Wei Yin well, Chen sounds a little bit more. There's more upside there. Let's be honest. If we're talking about that, though, we've got to talk about uh, Hiyashi Iwakuma, who we both – Hisashi Wakuma, we both do love Hisashi Wakuma. I've had a checked, solid spring for Seattle. See, I was about to say, I have not checked on him, in on him in the spring. Solid spring for Seattle. So was he the number two or number three? I guess he was the number three prospect on our World Baseball Classic list uh, uh, Behind from Chapman 2009. Behind uh, 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 Darvish. Darvish. Yeah, those are the top two guys. Now, um, Iwakuma's had some injury problems since then, but still, guy knows how to pitch. He does know how to pitch. He's got a nasty split-finger fastball. And, I mentioned this in the Bapper today. By the way, if you're hearing this and you don't get the Baseball America prospect for this, we're talking about the Bapper. Um, it's an email, free email we send out every day. You can go to our little email, the bottom right-hand side of our front page, sign up for it. We send it out every weekday during the uh, during spring training and during the season with kind of what's happening with prospects, line scores from the day before. A guy who jumps definitely out worth the price because it's free. And a, a guy who jumps out from that is uh, – I don't think he's going to be a significant role right away, but the Royals with Soria's injury, if Soria is out for the year, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Kelvin Herrera, I don't Good think, point. is going to close this year, but his role becomes more important because 
they're going to have, I'm sure Broxton is, you know, they're going to try Broxton, Greg Holland, maybe Aaron Crow, all those guys. They have moved Crow back to the bullpen, right. I guess, for now. But but with all that, Herrera has the stuff. His stuff is as, he's a lot, sh- he may be half the size of Jonathan Broxton, but his <laughs> right. stuff is pretty equal. And so his role goes from being kind of more of a, well, can he help us with some innings to a guy who really could end up having a, a reasonably significant role for them, I think, now. JJ, I think that about does it since we're, about, uh, we're an hour in. So I didn't realize we were going to take that long with the podcast oh, I today. Did. But, we uh, always do. <laughs> well, we didn't for the National League, but we did for this one. But uh, lots of great questions on Twitter. Again, you can send those in to us at John Manuel BA, at JJCoop36, or podcast at baseballamerica.com. Uh, we will be back probably tomorrow with another podcast where we talk organization talent rankings with the great Jim Callis. So for J.J. Cooper, I'm John. See you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.